Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 170. I'm your host, Connor Ryan, presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. And as you can see, riding solo today. We've got no Evan, no Ty, anyone else like that. And honestly, makes a lot of sense. We're as excited, I think, as Bruins fans are for uh, the new season to get underway. We're in a bit of a lull. It's not great. It's, it's not great when you've been waiting a few months for Bruins hockey to get back. And all of a sudden, uh, the Bruins go out on the West Coast and they're playing, uh, what is it, one game in, in five days. It's not great. Not a lot to talk about right now. You know, we, we looked, you know, Evan and I spoke about uh, Jim Montgomery's lineup uh, reshuffle on Monday during our, our taping of Bruins beat. But since then, Bruins have an off day as we're recording this on Tuesday. Not a whole lot to talk about right now. Not a lot of new developments, I would say, beyond what we've seen over these last two games against Chicago and Nashville. And even then, can you glean all that much? I mean, listen, Bruins are 2-0. Uh, a lot of guys have impressed right now, but really don't have a huge sample size quite yet. Especially, I mean, you look at that Nashville game, how many total minutes of 5-on-5 five five play even were there in that game? Not a whole lot. Not in a game where Bruins are killing seven penalties. So we still don't have a full, I think, sample size quite yet of this team. But um, as we kind of wait for uh, – more tape to be out there, more games to happen. Um, the Bruins finally head out to the West Coast for what ideally should be a, a pretty light schedule for them in terms of, listen, this is a team that is kind of starting a new, starting a new chapter uh, in the franchise's history. So good to get them out there against teams like Anaheim, you know, uh, you know, even they, they go out to play Chicago, the San Jose Sharks, not good. So if you're the Bruins – uh, even though I'm sure both them and obviously you guys would like them to be playing a lot more games early on here, the matches that they do have are uh, are pretty favorable to them as they kind of figure out where best to put guys. So uh, again, for this episode where it's a solo show, uh, not a lot happening with the Bruins right now, at least in terms of tangible news, we figured might as well start it off with uh, our first mail mailbag podcast of the new season. So I took to Twitter uh, on Monday, asked for a few uh, user-submitted questions. Again, thank you guys for sending in stuff. Uh, if you have any other questions throughout the year that you know we can kind of stow away in our mailbags, I'm sure we'll have plenty of these throughout the year, please send them along to either myself, Evan, 
Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely pocket them and use them at a later time, but let's dive into it. We have, I think about six questions here. So we'll kind of hit on some of the top topics here and, and see kind of what you guys are thinking about the state of this Bruins team, just two games in. So first question is from at Colin, the master one. And Colin asks, what's your opinion on how JVR has played so far? And what more would you like to see from him? Well, Colin, thanks for the question. And I think uh, that game against Nashville was probably the perfect microcosm of what you're, what you hope to see from JVR, right? And again, uh, Evan and I discussed this, like, I don't think JVR is the same player he was, uh, you know, back when he was with the Flyers in that first stint or with the Maple Leafs, especially. I don't think he's a guy that's giving you 30 goals. That being said, you see his skill set and what he brings. And it's not like this is a guy that is reinventing the wheel in terms of why he's been so productive in the NHL, why he's had such a long NHL career. Uh, he's a big body, obviously, at the net front. But his skill at, you know, in power play situations down low, whether it's the hand-eye coordination, the, the quick passes along the crease, uh, his ability to tip pucks. Charlie McAvoy pretty much said that, you know, Joe Pavelski is the guy that kind of around the league has the most uh, praise for the ability to tip pucks and redirect pucks and generate chances that way. JVI is going to right behind Pavelski in that regard. Like he's been doing it for a long, long time. And if you're the Bruins, um, again, listen, you would love if JVR finds the fountain of youth and gives you a 2020 season. That would be fantastic. I think if he can establish himself as a uh, go-to guy on the net front there on the power play, gives you an added element there. Cause again, you're, kind of reworking uh, key pieces of your power play without Berger on there. You have Zaka in the bumper, which adds a different wrinkle, but there's going to be some learning, uh, you know, bumps along the way there. If you can have a guy like JVR who can kind of make something out of nothing with any point shot that heads his way or can make things happen with some of those, uh, you know, passes in the, in the crease that can lead to a lot of high danger chances. It just makes an already pretty talented power play uh, that much deadlier. So uh, I think at five on five, we'll see where where he's best utilized. I I think Montgomery's latest lineup shuffle with putting JVR with Coyle and Frederick, I think better suits all those guys, especially if it's going to be more of a puck possession plotting line out there that is just going to be a pain in the ass to play against. I mean, all three of those guys, Coyle, Frederick, JVR, are 6'3", all over 200 pounds, all very tough to knock off the puck uh, when they have it on their stick, so... I like JVR in that spot at five on five play, but I think especially on the power play, um, this is a guy that is you know averaged about eight or nine power play goals per season. Last year was a major dip for him; he only had two. But that being said, that was I'll chalk that up more of an more of it being an outlier than uh, an indictment on his his skills really kind of dropping off. Granted, he was on a, a Philadelphia power play that was downright dreadful. They were last in the league, fifteen uh, percent, I think fifteen point four. Um, and again, you, that power play unit didn't have guys like Pasternak or Marchand feeding him the puck, right? You had Joel Farabee, you know, Provorov at, at some point, right? Like, just not guys that I think are proven offensive conduits, especially in terms of getting the puck down low to a guy like JVR. Having McAvoy at the point and, and Pasternak and Marchand and these guys will be able to put, I think, JVR in a better spot to, to showcase his skills that really haven't eroded in terms of how good he is in the net front. So that's my expectation for JVR. If he can give you 15 goals, you know, chip in with six or seven on the power play, he's already made a pretty good dent in that with this game against Nashville on Saturday. So, again, for what he brings, his added element on the power play, and most importantly, the fact that he is 
signed to a one-year deal for $1 million. I think that's a pretty good value for the Bruins, and he's already kind of showcased that through two games with his new team. So, all right, the next question we have is from Mr. Antisocialite, who asks, how do you think Coyle will react if Potra displaces him in the top six? Should Potra be giving a game or two at 2C? Thank you for the question. Uh, obviously, I think we're going to see that probably starting as soon as Thursday uh, when the Bruins head out on the West Coast, that Potra is pretty much going to get a look in the top six based on the lines we saw on Monday at Warrior Ice Arena. Uh, it looks like it's going to be GVR, Zaka, uh, or not GVR, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Zaka, and Pasternak as kind of your high-octane offensive line, right? Uh Debrus back at his natural spot at left wing adds more pace to that grouping. I imagine they're going to get a lot of ozone starts. Uh, you have uh, Brad Marchand with Matt Potra and Morgan Geeky, which is an added wrinkle there. But again, this is a, a group that Montgomery hopes can unlock a little bit more five on five offense. If, if you're the Bruins and you're high on Potra and what he can bring as a poised playmaker, putting him with an elite talent like Marchand certainly helps in that regard. And uh, Montgomery pretty much said that Potra's earned that that uh, opportunity you know if he had zeros on the board in these last two games and wasn't really impacting the game was getting knocked off the puck they probably wouldn't have bumped him up to this spot but he he's proven that he deserves a look there and with Potter moving up you have a third line as we've mentioned before that's uh has a lot of heft to it and JVR Coyle and Frederick as more of your puck possession maybe more of your defense uh focus line right if, if that's the line and Coyle and Frederick have done a lot of uh, uh, shutdown roles, especially last year, they were kind of your de facto shutdown forward grouping. If they can keep that up this year, and all of a sudden you open the door for uh, the Zaka line and even the Potter line to get more ozone starts, uh, that that helps out everyone. Uh, I think in terms of unlocking more offense. So again, I, I see why the Bruins want to do it with Potra. Of listen, you got a nine game sample size here. You want to see if this guy can. He's already shown that he can. I think handle himself in the NHL ranks. He can fight through the physicality, can still make plays, uh, is smart with the puck, but can you unlock more tangible offense? And I think you'll see if you can do that next to a guy like Marchand uh, in these next couple of games. But for Coyle, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that uh, he's mentioned all year that, you know, he's taking it as a big responsibility to play in the top six. Um, but at the end of the day, it has to come down to where guys are, one, best suited, and two, what best helps the team out there, right? Like, this is uh, – this is a situation with Coyle where, listen, I think anyone would want top six minutes, you know, guaranteed, right? Uh, and Coyle, again, has been a very good player for this team for a long time, you know, probably more suited in that 3C spot. And maybe that's where he's best suited in terms of not only where his skill set can be best utilized, especially if he's with uh, a couple of other puck position guys like a Frederick and a JVR. But if, if him in that role and his ability to, possess the puck, eat up the clock, uh, really negate other teams' top uh, top forwards in more of a defensive-oriented uh, role. Again, that's not flashy. That's not uh, nearly as appealing as, you know, proven top six minutes getting a guy like Marchand on your line. But if that is better catered towards where, you know, Coyle's skill set is and helps the team, I think you have to, uh, you know, that I think at the end of the day it comes down to what's best for the team, right? I mean – Look at Taylor Hall, who right now is back on the top line in Chicago with Connor Bedard, right? Like, would that guy who is still only a few years removed from um, from winning the hot trophy as league MVP, would he like to be a top six fixture with the Bruins? Of course. But 
he was more of a third line defensive focus guy uh, last year with Coyle and Frederick. And again, that may not be what exactly he wants to do. Um, but if you're part of a group that was rewriting the record books and was giving you a chance to win a Stanley cup, I think you do that. And again, it remains to be seen if this team has those same Stanley cup uh, aspirations, but if Coyle in that spot at three C can, can, you know, play to his strengths, uh, really lock down another team's top forwards, and it opens the door for guys like Zaka and Potra to, to thrive. And that's not to say that Coyle, if he's back at 3C, is all of a sudden going to be now limited to 20 points, what have you. Like, Coyle, I think you can still pencil him in for 35, 45 points, wherever you put him in a lineup, um, just kind of the way he plays. But I think it all ultimately comes down to just where he's – best utilized and what best helps of the team. And I think if Potra can prove that he can hold his own in top six, I think that domino effect of, you know, pushing a guy like Coyle further down the lineup, making that into more of a defensive focused third line helps out the entire team. And all of a sudden a forward grouping that had a whole lot of question marks going into the year. And again, you can't replace the guys they've lost, but you can see the, the, the plants kind of starting to fall into place a little bit more once you have, uh, Coil in that spot and Patra in a top six part driving play along with a guy like Zaka. So we'll make for a very interesting uh, road trip to to be sure. You guys gonna have to stay up a little bit late for those West Coast games, but I think it'll be fascinating to see just how Potra does, but how the rest of a really reworked lineup holds its own in that game. So uh, before we go into our next set of questions, uh, let's take a quick pause here and hear from our good friends over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to our good friends and sponsors over at FanDuel. All right, so let's uh, get into the next question here. This is from Joe D. J. Donnelly, 0611, who asks, uh, what have you seen from Morgan Geeky in the first two games? I didn't know much about him coming in, but I like what he's brought on the bottom six. Thanks for the question, Joe. Um, and again, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I was a big uh, Morgan Geeky fan uh, after the Bruins signed him. Um one of the leading members of the geek squad, as I told Evan, um, and that this is a guy that last year 
you know, didn't even average over 11 minutes of ice time with the Kraken uh, and still had over 30 points. Like this is a guy that you can, you can look at his production last year under limited minutes and view how we could be in Boston where, you know, I don't think he's getting 18 minutes a night or anything like that, but even if it's 13, 14 minutes, you like what he could bring in more of a featured role there and being a potential 40 point guy. Um, And I think Jim Montgomery kind of echoed what you said, Joe, in that, um, he's liked what he's brought so far in that in that bottom six spot. He opened the year with Frederick and Matt Matt Potra. And again, he's a guy that may not be the, the biggest, most imposing guy, but he's six three. He's a really good skater and um, you know, really effective on the four track and does some of the dirty plays. I think even in the preseason, he had that that play where he kind of took a hit, made a, a solid uh, outlet pass and leads to an empty net goal. Like does I think those little things really well, but with more room to grow offensively, which I think can be just a byproduct of just more reps, which I think the Bruins are hoping for. And uh, I think it's a, a good sign for him that uh, the Bruins and Montgomery want to put him into a top six spot uh, with Marchand and Patra and see how they exactly gel there. And I, I don't know if Patra is like the the best possible option for a top six wing spot. I feel like that's kind of the one looming question is like, you probably need one more uh, top six winger, I guess, if you really want it to field a, a complete forward core, uh, especially if that JVR coil uh, Frederick line holds its own in the bottom six, but geeky for, for what he brings in terms of his motor, uh, his shot, which is really good. His ability to kind of contribute on the four check and capitalize on the rush. He's a guy that I think the Bruins think have a lot, has a lot more room to grow. And if, you know, all eyes are going to be focused on Patra and how he does in this top six spot and whether he can drive play with Marshan, but, if playing with Marshand uh, also gets geeky rolling and all of a sudden you have a guy that, again, I'm not expecting him just because he's averaging 15 minutes a night to go from a 30 point guy to a 60 point guy. I don't, you already had one of those situations with Zaka last year. I don't know if that's going to happen two years in a row, but uh, you look at how many uh, forwards that, you know, a guy like Marshand has elevated over the years, whether it's Dan Heinen or Riley Nash or what have you. And again, he's also usually just had, a Bergeron or a Pasternak with him. So uh, Marchand can't do it all by himself, but I think the Bruins really like what Kiki has. And they think that he could really thrive uh, with added minutes out there. So, so far so good. Again, I'm high on him, but until we see it over an extended sample size, like let's see what he does during this four game road trip. Then we'll be able to, I think, get a better picture of where he's best utilized. But um, he's a guy that can play center, has pretty good face off numbers, uh, can go, uh, play on the wing like even if Patra doesn't pan out and he you know drops off a cliff like he can still be your 3c if it calls for that as well so um he's a guy that I think wherever he slots into the lineup he's really going to be heavily utilized uh, in Jim Montgomery's system so definitely a guy worth keeping tabs on uh next one uh is from Ryan Ryan J7800 who asks if Edmonton is desperate who of Swayman or Olmark would you trade what would you want in return it's a good question, Ryan. Thanks for sending that along. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating one because if there's one thing Edmonton desperately needs, it's goaltending. They got pretty much everything else. Even if the defense is, you know, got a few key pieces there, but not really the, the best six-man unit, doesn't really mean all that much when you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl driving play. So, um, you know, the Bruins would make probably plenty of sense for Edmonton uh, if they wanted to trade and acquire someone. Um I would imagine if the Bruins were looking at moving someone, it probably would be Allmark just in terms of <clears throat> his value is probably higher in terms of right now he's older. Uh, and you also probably could 
Uh, he's probably a more tradable asset in terms of his contract where let's say if you're the Bruins, I have to imagine if you're trying to acquire someone and you're moving a reigning Vezina trophy winner, looking for an impact forward uh, coming back. So is Ryan Nugent Hopkins an option, right? I mean, this guy that had a hundred points last year, again, helps when you're on a power play with guys like McDavid, but uh, Nugent Hopkins is a really effective guy on the power play could really energize an already pretty effective uh, power play for the Bruins uh, and a solid five on five guy. Like again, first overall pick, you can talk about how much of his, in, his stats are being influenced by playing with guys like McDavid and dry Settle, but Eugene Hopkins is still a very good player signed long-term to, I think a pretty fair contract, 5.125 million. So an old mark for Nugent Hopkins trade. If you're the Bruins probably makes sense. Uh, if you're uh, especially looking at just the cap situation now would, both teams do it, right? Like, I'm sure Edmonton would probably, you know, bite the bullet and make that trade if it brings in a proven Vezina Trophy winning goalie like uh, Linus Olmark. Would the Bruins do it? I know that's where it gets kind of, you know, gets a little bit tougher, right? Like, you look at the center spot, and the center position is the one thing I think it's holding up the Bruins from really establishing themselves as being a established contender for years to come, right? Like, they've got a great goalie core, as we all know, great defense, Got a lot of talent on the wings, um, but the the play down the middle is kind of the biggest question mark right now. And so if you think that, you know, Zaka and Patra are your one-two punch for the foreseeable future, or you can solve that problem in free agency by getting a guy like Elias Lindholm, then, like, I think that could be a situation where um, – you, you opt not to trade, you know, one of your key pieces. Because let's face it, Linus Olmark is a, a valuable asset out there. Um, he's a guy that could get you a pretty solid return, especially if you wait it out, get to the middle of the season when teams are getting desperate. A team like the Oilers that are in a win-now spot are like, we will give up a whole bunch just to get uh, a guy to put our team over the top. It's very appealing to to listen and offers to a guy like Olmark, who, again, also can veto some of his trade spots. So I don't know if he really wants to go to Edmonton, but – I digress. Um, but this is still a guy that um, if you're the Bruins, if you're going far this year, if you're trying to stay in a lot of games and uh, accrue points at a steady clip, you're going to have to rely a whole lot on Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman as being kind of that, the key foundation of your success, right? Like those two guys are going back and forth. When one guy has a cold spell, the other guy gets on a roll. Like those are your two best avenues towards probably contention this year. So you really have to decide whether or not you think Swayman can handle an established number one spot there and think that a guy like Brendan Bussey can step into that role. But it's tough. That is a very, very tough call, I think, if you're the Bruins because you have to decide, like, is Ryan Nugent Hopkins the guy that you're willing to kind of uh, break up your established talent uh, in order to do it? So it makes it very fascinating, but I could see that being if the Bruins were ever to uh, – you know, look at a situation where a guy like Olmark is expendable, a team like Edmonton definitely does make a whole lot of sense out there. All right. So the next one we got is from Sean Rajat, who asks, what do you think ends up happening with Heinen? Where does he fit on this team? Uh, great question, Sean. Uh, as of right now, uh, Danton is still just chilling. He's still at practice, not signed to any contract. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of clarity there until the Bruins find out what they're going to do with uh, Matt Patra. And I, I think that's going to be a spot where if Patra stays, 
and you know he's going to be there long-term the entire season, I think you could see a situation play out where Heinen um, signs a league minimum deal and he's kind of your 13th forward. And I think he brings a lot of value there. Uh, you know, he's probably fighting for that spot with Patrick Brown, who's currently on the roster in that similar spot. Um, so I could see that being a spot for Heinen if he wants to be the spare forward after Patra finds out where exactly he's going. If Patra doesn't make the team and sends and gets sent back down to the OHL, I could see him again, Heinen signing a league minimum deal and joining the Bruins and what could be a featured spot. Like if your third line is all of a sudden Heinen, geeky Frederick, again, it's not uh, the line that I think is as flashy as the one we have right now, or as maybe exciting as uh, what would happen if Potter stuck around long-term. But I think he's still a guy high in that can bring value uh, with one, the fact that he's probably going to make dirt cheap money, versatility, familiarity with the Bruins and Jim Montgomery. Like whether he's a spare forward or a, a guy that can slot in on the third line, I think Heine can bring a lot of value to this team. And it's just, I think, going to depend on when exactly he signs that contract. And I think you're probably going to get more of that clarity after Potter's nine-game sample sizes up and see kind of what comes what comes of it from there. So I think that's kind of the situation for Heinen. Kind of a weird situation for all guys involved. A little bit similar to Anton Strawman last year where he wasn't really signed but was still hanging around. It seems like Heinen is, you know, heard from the team, uh, bought in, and knows that, you know, a uh, situation is going to present itself once they figure out how some of these other dominoes are going to fall first. So, uh, so I think that's kind of all the questions we have for, for today. Again, it's tough to really kind of glean too, too much out of, out of this Bruins roster off of two games that I think we've already talked quite a bit about, but uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to discuss once we get into these uh, West coast games into this road trip and see how, especially that revamped uh, Bruins lineup uh, works uh, on those games. So, Again, want to thank you guys for listening in. Thank you for everyone who sent in those questions for us. Um, we'll, we'll do plenty more of those throughout the year, even when we have Evan or Tyrone and else like that on board as well. We'll probably do a few mailbags as we start to ramp up the amount of shows we do each and every season. So, again, want to thank you guys for listening in. I'm Connor Ryan. This is Poke the Bear. You guys have a great rest of your day. <laughs>